Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. Today I'm excited to welcome my special guest, Ben Cohn, CEO of the PLBY Group. Company just reported second quarter earnings yesterday. It's second report since returning to the public markets via a SPAC transaction earlier this year. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, great to have you here. Just just off the bat, Ben, you know, you hear PLBY Group. I, I don't think that's a, a company maybe that everybody is familiar with, but the brands that, that you own, people are much more familiar with. So just high level for folks who've never heard of your company, what is PLBY Group? Yeah, PLBY Group is a holding company. Uh, our largest brand is Playboy. I think pe- most people have heard about that. Uh, products are sold in 180 countries, drives over $3 billion of consumer spend. Probably one of the top three or four most recognized brands in the world. But you know, we're, we're a holding company all focused on pleasure and leisure in people's lives. Uh, and in addition to Playboy, we own Yandy. Uh, which is an e-commerce site selling lingerie in the United States, Lovers, which is a sexual wellness chain of stores and uh, and digital footprint. And then we just recently acquired Honey Brudette, really excited by it, one of the top lingerie brands, in our opinion, in the world, uh, formerly based out of Australia. Business is growing eight, uh, 40%, $80 million of revenue this year, um, and just entering you know, in a large way the United States and then other Western uh, Europe, mar- uh, Western markets in Europe. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. So I want to talk about, you know, I mentioned off the top, so Playboy returning public through this transaction earlier this year. Now you have this, this big portfolio of brands. You've been involved with the company since, since it was taken private back in in 2011, why now all these transactions? So Yandy was a 2020 transaction. Those other two companies you mentioned, 2021. Why now all of a sudden this activity coming back public, all that stuff? Yeah. So maybe it helps to reset what the company was and what the company is today. So when we took the company private, uh, I led to take private transaction in 2011. Uh, God, a long time ago. Um, you know, it was a media business at the end of the day, right? That's what Hef cared about. He cared about the magazine. And in fact, when you go back and look at the merger agreement, which is publicly filed, there are two things that he wanted when we took the company private. He wanted to run the magazine until he died. and He wanted to live in the mansion until he died. And so you look at that evolution of the business to about 2017 when I, when I took over as CEO, it was a media business. Uh, which generated you know the bulk of the revenue, and then it was a licensing business. So they they offset the media losses by licensing out the masthead or the Playboy trademarks uh, in consumer products. What we pivoted to, and because I don't believe that you can really be a media business by definition selling advertising if you're trying to be a brand. And I always viewed this company as the original lifestyle brand, right? The first product this company ever made was a pair of cufflinks. It had casinos, it had hotels, it had a whole host of things. That doesn't sound like a media company. That sounds like a lifestyle brand. And so the focus was really to shut down or pivot the company away from media, which I thought was continued to be challenged moving forward, especially in some of the areas we were in with the proliferation of the internet and really focus the company back on its roots as a lifestyle uh, brand and all around consumer products and digital experiences. And that's what we've done. And so when you look at the business today, it's a very different business than when I took over uh, back in 17. This is a business today that, you know, the large majority of revenues, you know, 90 plus percent come from consumer products. 
Uh, and I think we're just getting started. You know, we're also in the process of pivoting uh, or changing the model from licensing to that of owned and operated. I think there's been this shift in how consumers buy really uh, D2C or e-commerce. And therefore, licensing is a less efficient model for that. Um, and we can own a lot more of the spend. So that's $3 billion of consumer spend. You know, the challenge with licensing is you're getting pennies on the dollar for that, right? Two to three cents on the dollar for that. If we if we pivot and we own that, not only can I drive the lifetime value of the customer up in the average order size because I can sell you more products, um, but I can drive my revenue up. And so when you look at that, there could be a 20x increase in revenue just if you model it out, right? And actually an increase in EBITDA by five or six times as well. Yeah. So you can just re recap capture some of some of that spend. So I wanted to. Well, there's lots of different directions I, I wanted to go off uh, here. Maybe let's let's stick with um, stick with stick with Playboy here. So you talked about this transition the company's gone through. I think on the call you said historically Playboy is a content site. Now it's a shopping site. Talk about the progress you've made uh, along that and, and where Playboy fits into this overall family of brands that you've you've developed over the past couple year and a half or so. Yeah, I think look, Playboy is a hero brand at the end of the day, right? It is one of the top three or four largest brands in the world. And what's so interesting about Playboy is Playboy can go high and it can go low, right? In price points to consumers, it can be mass, it can be mastige or premium, and it can be luxury. And there's a history of that. You know, Honey Burdette is a luxury brand. It's a very high price point uh, laundry business that is obviously, you know, experiencing phenomenal growth and I think will be a billion dollar business for us. And then Yandy and Lovers tend to be more mass market overall. Um, and so I think we have a really interesting portfolio of brands and what we'll end up doing, you know, long-term with Lovers and Yandy is we're working on right now, creating a sub-brand, leveraging that Playboy masthead uh, to turn those businesses more into private label products. But, you know, the, gro the growth for the company is around consumer products and digital experiences. And so when I think about an ecosystem that couples both virtual goods with physical goods, I get really excited because that allows us long-term to not only drive recurring revenue, but superior margins as well. Yeah, so, so when you talk about the shift to, to shopping customers, selling consumer products, sexual wellness, all, all those sorts of things, it sounds like a different type of customer than would have historically been the subscriber to the magazine, that sort of thing, maybe gender different, uh, you know, demographically different. How do you think about your customer today versus what it may have been in the past? Yeah. So when I took over, we were probably 90%, 95% male, female. You know, what we announced in the first quarter of this year was that 55% of our customers were women, which is a great, you know, we have 75% of our workforce actually at Playboy today are women. Um, and so it, it's it's great to see that um, very different than when we took over, you know, the numbers we, we announced yesterday, I'll just give you this, our traffic in the second quarter only grew about 9.6%. But what's so interesting is our shopping customers grew 70%. And so we've made this transition of our audience to that of coming to us for content to now that of coming to us for product. And I think that will continue to evolve and accelerate moving forward. Yeah. One of the things you, you talked about on the call, I wanted to drive into a little bit more is how you're, how you're doing that from a marketing point of view. You, you talk about focusing on influencer marketing and kind of quick turn. Talk about your marketing strategy and what you're doing to try to make that I guess, mind shift among your, your customers that, that you're trying to capture. 
Yeah, look, we're, we're, we we benefit because the brand is extremely uh, popular and hot on Gen Z uh, and with Gen Z. And I think it really relates to a lot of the causes that we have fought for for the last 70 years of the company's history, right? Equality, LGBTQ plus rights, civil rights, et cetera. Uh, this company has been at the forefront advocating for equality um, and for free speech. And so when you think about that, we have a number of influencers. Um, you know, I, I hear all the time about the number of people on TikTok just organically wearing this, this brand. We saw this hoodie challenge develop organically uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we, we then got into it. Uh, and then there's influencers, uh, you know, the Playmates, the former adult stars, the Bretman Rocks and others that we've worked with. We launched a T-shirt with Bretman Rock uh, in June. Uh, geared around pride, it sold out before he was even able to post on his Instagram and his social media uh, that. And so we have many of those coming. We, we have a, a, a sub-brand called Playboy Labs, which is really a, our collab. We've done things with Steve Aoki and others in the past. And we'll, you'll start to see a more consistent uh, level of product drops with influencers moving forward. But you know what, what we what we benefited from, and what's so interesting about HB or Honey Burdette as well, is a lot of this is organic. It's people that are going out and buying the product and wanting to wear the product. Yeah. So you talked about that uh, that that hoodie uh, kind of thing that popped up on TikTok. Are y'all imp- implementing like a print on demand type model? How are you doing these quick turnarounds whenever you see uh, things emerging on social or what have you? Yeah, so it's a combination of both print on demand and then our basics that we have in stock all the time. And that is continuing to evolve. You know, we've brought in a great digital e-commerce team. They've only been on the job for really three to four months now, uh, but people that have run big businesses. And so it's a combination of both. And then what we'll continue to do at Playboy.com, uh, you know, over the coming months is we will continue to evolve the product offerings we have more, uh, you know, a combination of both drop culture, but with every or everyday on products, right? Really geared around lifestyle and the four categories we've talked about before, which is apparel and accessories, sexual wellness, gaming and lifestyle, which are home goods and other things, and then beauty and grooming and beauty and grooming's a, a category. You know, we have a very successful fragrance business in Europe. We just brought it to the United States. That's a license deal, but we're now uh, developing our own beauty and cosmetics line, uh, which is right now in the formulation and um, design phase, and that will be launched next year. Yeah, so, so you've talked about you know some of these brands uh, moving into the the, um, the laundry market really particularly aggressively, the Honey Burdette acquisition. I want to talk about what's going on in the space right now. You've seen Victoria's Secret kind of pull away uh, from its, its angels program, really run away from the more I guess uh, overtly sexual advertising. You look at Honey Burdette, very the other side, the other side of that of that coin. So, what do you make of, of what's going on in the market, and and why your approach, going the opposite of what some established players are doing, uh, you know, has some room for success? Well, I wouldn't say that we're going opposite. I think that I, without uh, getting into disparaging Victoria's Secret, I, I think what they, they've lost their their place in the market. It's a highly fragmented market. Um, you know, there is a way to be sexy without objectifying. And I think that, you know, if you look at what's happened to Playboy uh, and what the content team uh, and marketing team have done over the previous three years, I mean, look at the diversity in talent that we work with. It's a very different Playboy than it was back in the heft days. And I think it really speaks to what's happening in society overall. You know, Honey Burdette, uh, obviously, you know, very sexy lingerie, comes out of Australia. Uh, 
Eloise, who's the founder of the company, has just moved to the United States. You know, obviously in Australia, your diversity in talent that you work with is different than what it can be in Europe and in the United States. And so I think you'll continue to see it. But again, you know, we're not scared of sexy. I think it's a question of doing it in the right way that's not objectifying and that's really owning your own sexuality. And what's so great about both companies together, you know, Honey Brunette is almost 100% female. It's, it, it's a company founded by women for women. And Honey and, and Playboy, uh, when you look at it today, 75% of our workforce, and this is before the Honey Burdette acquisition, are made up of women. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, so we've talked a lot about uh, you know, uh, private label, trying to uh, doing direct to, direct to consumer, uh, this, this growth area for the business. One thing you talked about on the call is really significantly increased your long-term uh, revenue margin, right, from, from $300 million by 2025. To 600 million. So I see that obviously great to see that number increase so much. On the other side of this is why is this surprising you so much of, of the growth that you're seeing? Like what, what was the biggest surprise that took place to see this, this huge increase in, in, in your guidance? Look, the, the, again, the guidance we gave, you know, going from three, 300 to 600 after being public for six months, um, really speaks to, you know, the stuff that we have in our pipeline today and the pieces that we've assembled with the acquisitions that we've made. So we'll be launching, and we talked about this yesterday on our earnings call, uh, Playboy or Playmate Lingerie uh, moving forward, leveraging the Honey Burdette uh, skill design team and sourcing team. And so we just have a lot more arrows in our quiver moving forward as we've made that transition from a licensing business to that of an owned and operated business. And look, I think there's a lot of upside to that number. I mean, when you look at it, that number is based on sort of like a 20% growth on D2C and a single digit growth in the licensing business. And that doesn't include if we decide to take back more care, uh, categories, uh, which we have the option to do that are already licensed out. Uh, and it doesn't include uh, other acquisitions that we might make in the future. So, you know, I feel very good about where we sit. I think the growth prospects for the business today are actually greater than when we went public. Uh, we just have to stay extremely focused as a team. And then on top of that, you know, some of the digital revenue streams that we'll be adding here, you know, over the next six months to a year uh, geared around membership um, and NFTs and blockchain. I think long-term can allow us to actually accelerate our growth and actually enhance our margins. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about some of the, these new product offerings. I mean, why, why are you so excited about NFTs? Do you view this as a fad or something that really has a lot of staying power? And if so, why? Yeah, look, I, I think NFTs are going to go through multiple different cycles. I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here to stay. Uh, I think you have to think about it as the intersection of content and community. And so you look at what Top Shots has done. It's really, really interesting. We have one of the most valuable archives, in my opinion. We have 10 million pieces in our archive. We have a 5,000-piece art collection. We have unbelievable influencers that we work with that have huge audiences and adult stars and playmates, et cetera. And we can bring this together in a cohesive ecosystem. You know, NFTs, you know, we talked about this yesterday, sort of like the dial-up era of the internet right now, but it's really gamification as well. And I think this brand... Uh, of all brands I can think of, works so well at that intersection of digital and physical. And so we can host a live Halloween party in Las Vegas, and we can couple that with a virtual party online, right, where you would have to be a member to attend. We can sell you uh, physical uh, uh, virtual goods for your avatar coming to our party, and we can sell you physical goods as well. And so I think this brand is really, really well positioned as consumers want more and more lifestyle driven offerings, but it doesn't have to be physical offerings 
uh, you know, in place. It can be it can be virtual offerings as well. I mean, look what Travis Scott did on Fortnite a year ago with that concert where he had 27 plus million people tune into it. I think that is the future. I think NFTs really sort of you know lead to um, the decentral you know of of the artist as a community. Yeah, I mean, I think. You mentioned the kind of collision between community and content. I think one area that makes sense kind of to me is you have people that are very engaged in this space, and this is an area where you can kind of market to them and get paid to do so. I mean, uh, how, do, how do you think of this as just a way to get exposure to this younger audience? Well, look, I mean, I think it's we have exposure to the younger audience, but it's the people that we work with. And I think it's also that when you look when you look at uh, younger people today, obviously younger than I am, um, you know, it's not about what's hanging on your wall. It's about what's in your digital wallet. And so you look at social media in general, like, you know, why has the camera, you know, you look at Snapchat, Instagram, et cetera. Why is the camera taking over? Well, because there's value in what you're associated with, right? There's value in what you're posting online because it defines you to a much larger community. You know, when I grew up, it was my 10 friends or 15 friends. You know, that was your community. Today, you know, you look at young people, their communities are huge, right? And, and they have thousands of followers because digital allows you to do that. And so I think we have some of the most iconic IP in the world, right? This is 70 years of Americana, but more importantly, it's also the influencers that we work with today and creating this cohesive ecosystem, I think will not only drive our digital sales, but our physical sales as well. Yeah, so, so you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, so this this revenue guidance doesn't account for for future acquisitions. It's it's all organic that you're trying to project into the future. But obviously, you you have a background in private equity. There, there's folks on your management team from Match Group, IAC. These are these are folks who have done deals in the past. So so as you're looking for potential acquisitions or to invest capital to bring you know assets back in house that are licensed out, what are you looking for? What are the criteria that that jump out to you as this is something I want to invest in? Yeah, look, it's putting the pieces together that allow us to accelerate our growth. So we've done that with the acquisitions to date. Um, you know, the Yandy team is unbelievable at design and sourcing. That expedited and accelerated our our growth or launch of Playboy lingerie by a big margin. Um, and so not only that, but they have designs that have never come out of Australia that we can leverage moving forward. Uh, you know, moving forward for other acquisitions, you know, we're open to it. You know, we have 85 plus million dollars of cash on our balance sheet today. Um, you know, I, I would see, you know, things in the digital world uh, coming into light moving forward as we look to build out that ecosystem. Uh, but again, we have all the we have all the pieces we need to achieve the numbers that we've put out there today. Uh, but I think there's ways to accelerate that. There's ways to move some of our licensing partners to JV partners where we can book that revenue and, and run that e-com where we can grow our consumer base even more, which should lead to acceleration of revenue because the larger base I have, the more LTV I can drive or lifetime value to that customer I can drive long-term. Yes. Yeah, so um, you mentioned, go ahead, Ben, sorry, finish. Yeah, and just speaking to Lance and the rest of the team, I mean, what's so exciting for me uh, is I, I love to surround myself with people that are much smarter than I am. And the level of talent that we have brought in and are starting to even you know continue in our, in our pipeline is just awesome to see. And, and that's what's so exciting about going public is not only now do we have the capital to do what we needed to do to transform this business, but the level of talent we're getting is, is night and day from where the company was a few years ago. Yeah, Ben, so, so we've talked a lot about kind of the direct-to-consumer business. You mentioned opportunities to transition the, these licensing parts of the business over to maybe joint ventures. And that kind of introduces China outside of the U.S., very different brand in China than it is in the U.S., you know, different business model as well when you, when you look at licensing. 
you just talk about compare and contrast this this China business, international business to what you're building here in, in North America right now. Sure. Well, look, China's its own ecosystem. Okay. Um, they've never really seen the magazine, or let me say this, they've never seen it legally um, in China, right? Um, and so the company went to China 20 plus years ago, and it was really Americana at the time and has really become almost an own Chinese business or China business within China. It's largely menswear today. It is, is, is all licensing. Uh, we have three primary licensees and then three, what I'd say is smaller licensees in China. Um, but you know what's so interesting about China is the consumer demand for the brand. And so last year we did a billion dollars of e-commerce revenue in China. Or let me say that our partners did a billion dollars of e-commerce revenue. And so when you think long term about how do you uh, you know how do you aggregate uh, revenue, I, I think there's a way to change that business model. Now it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, these are partners that have been longstanding partners of the company 15 plus years, and we want to make sure that we include them in this but they're manufacturers as well. And so I think there's a way to actually aggregate that e-commerce revenue um, long-term. And, you know, the business is growing in China. We're just entering the women's category. Uh, we just signed it. We just did a kid's deal. India is a huge growth opportunity for us. Uh, we'll do India, you know, learning from the mistakes that we, the company made in China over the years and the way we're structuring those deals. But, you know, we've signed a deal to open Playboy Beer Gardens there. We've signed a deal uh, with a gaming partner to launch Playboy Rummy in 2022 in India. In fact, we just signed last night a deal to relicense our U.S. iGaming rights. Can't tell you who the partner is yet, but very excited by that, and especially the growth in iGaming in the United States moving forward. But China, uh, you know, China, I think, can double in size over time. Um, and I think we can change the business model in China over time as well. So you mentioned, so I just want to talk about Playboy Kids, just because like that just blows my mind that there's a Playboy Kids line. Like, yeah. Number one, what is what what Playboy Kids products are out there? And number two, are we seeing a unification? Play, is Playboy Kids going to leave China? Like, what's what's the deal there? So uh, I don't know if it'll leave China. So I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, so back when all of us could travel and life was normal, um, I was on the Bund in Shanghai uh, in a car coming in from the airport with my head of licensing, and coming across the street, the stoplight was a little kid wearing a Playboy sweatshirt. And I didn't think we had Playboy kids at the time. He needed to go relieve himself on a tree on, on the bun side of things. And I looked and said, wait, do we have a licensing deal for Playboy kids? He says, no, that's all counterfeit. So one of our licensing partners thought there was a huge opportunity for Playboy kids. They're actually opening, or we're, we're going to open their first store. Um, they, they're obviously doing e-com, but open physical store in Shanghai this year. And it, it's an opportunity. Uh, it, you know, Again, the brand is very different over there than it is here. Over there, it's been a fashion brand. That's what it's been for 20 plus years. Obviously, in the United States, you have the, the history of the media and the magazine, which make it different. So I don't see Playboy Kids coming uh, to the United States. But what I will say is that, you know, very, very encouraged by the Gen Z audience that we do have and them loving to wear the brand. Yeah. So, so maybe last couple, last couple of questions. So, so you mentioned the, the gaming side of the business. You've talked about doing more in-person experiences, the Playboy plane, like what should we be looking for as far as, as far as those type of, those types of activities? Yeah. The, the paint job on the plane looks amazing. Uh, we're going to be using it for our influence act, influencer activation coupled with the big bunny launch. 
Um, we just had a great live experience in partnership with Tau Group uh, last week in Vegas for our Midsummer Night Stream Party. I would consider, or you should expect to see more live experiences coupled with virtual experiences moving forward, you know, all geared to what we've talked about with membership. Um, but look, I think this brand is best when people can experience it, whether that be physical or virtual. And I think that will be part of our strategy moving forward. Who do you, who would you say is your biggest competitor? Look, I mean, this is one of the hardest things to answer. There's competitors in the product categories that we're in. So could, would you say in lingerie, Victoria's Secret's competitor? Sure, it's huge. It's a huge business. You know, so is La Perla, so is Agent Provocateur, et cetera. But as a brand, I, don't, I can't think of another brand that is a competitor to us for everything that we play in. Uh, you know, on the product side, yes, but this brand is so unique. And this is why I think this brand is really priceless and worth multiples of our market cap today which is, you know, give me another brand that sells product in 180 countries that generates over $3 billion today in spend that's valued where we are. I just can't think of one, especially for one that can play in the number of categories that we can play in, right? From spirits to gaming, to hospitality, to clothing. I just can't think of that. Now, as a team, we have to be really, really careful. and We have to stay extremely focused on our priorities and making sure that we deliver and execute on what's in front of us. But the, the roadmap long-term really gives us endless growth possibilities. Okay, so, so there's no direct comparison as a brand. What's a brand that you admire, whether it's a competitor or not, that maybe, maybe you think is a, you know, Playboy should be included in the same sentence as this brand? Well, look, I, 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 I think so highly of Nike. I mean, what Nike has done in their transition of, as a business model uh, is unbelievable. You know, I even go back to Ralph Lauren and say, you know, what Ralph did, Ralph was a business that uh, was a little dated. It's, it's become very relevant. They, they have live experiences in the, in the uh, polo restaurants, et cetera. Uh, but more importantly, it was a business that had been licensed out. And they took all that back in house over a multi-year period and look at their e-commerce business today. I mean, you know, Alice DeLahunt has done just an unbelievable job there uh, on e-com. She had been at Burberry. Um, and so, but again, I, you know, I think Nike is, is the pinnacle um, and what they've been able to do. So uh, I would love one day to be included in the same sentence, but th that's a pretty high aspiration. Well, hey, I mean, maybe maybe you're in the running for them uh, with them on Instagram followers or something like that. You can compete on on at least one of those fronts. Uh, maybe last question for you. So, if we look out five years from now, what's the biggest change that this this business has undergone, um, and uh, what are you most excited about? Yeah, look, I think you look out five years. I think it's just continue to execute on what we've outlined already, and I think that change from a media company to that of a lifestyle brand is is the single biggest change. You know, look, I think that uh, I'm really excited by. Uh, this combination of, virtu of virtual and physical coming together in this community. And I think this is a brand that has historically, you know, had membership. This is a brand that has historically had a really vast community. And I think when I look at the influencers that we work with, coupled with the products, you know, I, I long term, you know, I want to have a, a significant portion of our revenue coming from recurring revenue streams like we have with our licensing business, which is a quasi SaaS business at the end of the day. Um, and I think this brand has the possibility to do all of it. Uh, we just have to, again, stay focused as a company. And that's the biggest thing for our team right now. Yeah, get that dollar share in the market to match the mind share among consumers. Uh, ben, I'm so excited to continue to follow the work you're doing. Thanks so much uh, for spending time with us and I hope we can talk to you again soon. Yeah, this was great. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For Ben Cohn, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Thank you.